This is Solid Talk. Speaking out loud in depth. Check it out. Speaking out loud in depth. Cancel culture can't keep me in check. In front beginning, gotta tell us what's next. True believers, they can come and connect. Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect. God bless you, family. Praise the Lord. My name is Brother Greg. This is Solid Talk, speaking out loud in depth. And guess what? I really ain't got too much to talk about tonight. It is an open discussion, but I'm going to go ahead and talk about what's on my mind right now about uh, how my day has been, you know, all of these type of things. Somebody said once before, no news is good news. And I believe that sometimes no news, meaning if I ain't got a pressing topic, if I ain't got anything heavy on my spirit, listen, that's good news. I just want to come on here and have a good time. Uh, Earlier today, I actually visited my home church because a member of that church, a very uh, wonderful lady named Sister Hunter, she passed away. She was older. The last couple years of her life, she had been battling, I believe, dementia. And I know she was in a nursing home. And so uh, it was a bittersweet type thing. You know, she impacted so many people's lives, which I'm going to get to in a minute. But also at the same time, because she's a believer, I know that she got called home to glory. And so as I begin to really think about her funeral and really just think about uh, being around people, familiar faces, my home church and stuff like that. Of course, I shouldn't always go there under these type of circumstances. You know what I mean? But that's where I found myself nonetheless. And I really was just looking at how many lives she impacted. First and foremost, she had a huge family right? A huge family. I don't know how many, I think she had like seven brothers and sisters. Then she had a bunch of kids, at least like four or five kids. And they, they had like 17 kids, 39 grandchildren. Y'all know how that stuff go. (laughs) But I was just really looking at the lives that she impacted. And um, it really made me think about being a better human, you know, being a better human. And that's what I want to talk about tonight, since I don't see any other topics, y'all, y'all are being nice to me tonight. Y'all don't want me to get in trouble. Um, so I appreciate that. Although, you know, I'm always game for some trouble. Um, but I've been thinking a lot lately about being a better human, demonstrating more of the love of God. We always hear that expression that you have the year that you're born and the year that you die. And then there's that dash in between. What are we doing in the dash in between? What type of legacy are we leading? Are we leaving rather? And what impact are we having on lives? Right. How important is a legacy? Something that I thought about a lot before, because to be honest with you. I've never really been a person that interested in legacy. And I know, I know a lot of people are, and I think that's a good thing. You know what I mean? I don't think that's a bad thing, but just personally, I've never been that concerned with legacy. And 
I don't think that that's really in alliance with God. And the reason why I say that is because one of the things that God promised Abraham was he promised Abraham a legacy. He promised him a heritage, right? He promised him this, this, this promise that he would have a people that would populate the whole world and that his people will be a blessing to all the nations, right? And I know that God's promise to Abraham was an important promise. And I know it was a good promise, but I'm trying to really wrap my head around what makes that good. If somebody knows, let me know. I'm not saying it's a bad thing at all, but I've always kind of looked at it as like, well, I'm not going to be here anymore. I may not, I'm not going to be around to see it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not that invested in, my my lineage or my namesake that I feel like it just needs to be, you know, permeated throughout the world. If that's you, wonderful. You know, impact is a great thing. Legacy is a great thing. I'm just having trouble wrapping my mind around it. And so if you can give me some nuggets to really let me know why that's why that is a good thing because I do believe it's a good thing because God said it's a good thing. God talked about it. Um, he he that was his promise to Abraham, right? Or maybe that was a specific promise that Abraham wanted. Who knows? But nonetheless, so it got me to thinking about being a better human. Something I've been thinking about a lot this week. I actually took down a video recently. I meant to say this at the very beginning. In the announcements, I took down a video that I did back in May. And it was a video where I was just talking about how the country is becoming weak. And I still agree with that. The country is becoming atrociously weak. Right. And, um, you know, I think this was around a time where the war was just breaking out with Russia and Ukraine. And I had shared a video where there was a young lady in the military who was basically emoting about how she just didn't, she didn't want to go to war. Like she was just very emotional. She didn't sign up for this, that type of mentality. And I've been feeling convicted lately to take it down. Hasn't been on my mind at all. It just came into my mind out of nowhere. You know, sometimes we pray things like, Lord, if there anything, search me, if there's anything you want me to do, anything I need to get right, anything I need to work on, let me know. And so this has just been like on my mind and on my conscience. And so I took it down because I think it was unfair to her looking back on it. Now, the whole the whole talk went about her. She was just an example. But I feel as though she was a microcosm, a microcosmic example of a larger issue that I have. And it just so happened that she was the one to bear the brunt of a lot of the overall frustrations that I have with this country right now. And I don't want to pick on her just because she happened to be at the wrong place in the wrong time. And what I will say is I'm a firm believer that once you put yourself out there in the public, on the internet, anything from that point on is fair game. So I'm not saying that you know, you know, if you got to go through your moment, go through your moment by yourself <laughs> go through your moment with the Lord. But if you turn on your camera and you want to cry in front of your camera and all that type of stuff, to me, you just open yourself up for public discourse. 
But that being said, she's a service woman and she's fighting for my freedom, regardless of how she felt in that moment. I appreciate her for being a service woman. I appreciate every other service woman. And even though she has no idea who I am, I apologize to her uh, for that. Right. Uh, and it kind of sucks because I really wanted to do a lot more reaction videos, but I was thinking about it and I'm like, man, I might be too savage to do reaction videos. <laughs> and the crazy thing is I'd be feeling like I'd be holding back. So I'm like, man, if I really do uh, start doing reaction videos, I don't know how that's going to really go over. I don't know if I'm really in the space. And so I just been thinking a lot more about being a better person, being more compassionate, uh, being more loving, seeing if I hit the checklist of the fruits of the spirit, which are in Galatians chapter five. You know, if we ever want to give ourselves a progress report, you know, a lot of times I'll pray to the Lord or sometimes rather I'll pray to the Lord, Lord, I need a progress report. I need to know how I'm doing. I need to know what I need to work on. I need to know what you think of me in this moment. But whenever we need to give ourselves a progress report, all we got to do is look at the fruits of the spirit. The fruits of the spirit are found in Galatians chapter five. Um, the fruits of the spirit. Somewhere around verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love. Where am I with my love? You know, how 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 loving am a, of a person am I when people see you do they say oh man that's such a loving man that's such a loving woman oh they always show me love do they say that about you now by the way i'm not saying we go solely on what people say because most people don't even understand love they only understand one side of love which is the feelings they don't understand the verb form of love and they don't understand the chastising and correcting part of love. That's how most people are. So I'm not saying go solely by them, but I'm just saying, generally speaking, when you say, man, when I deal with people, am I a loving person? Um, do I show them the love of Christ? When people see me and, and how I respond to them, do they say that I'm Christ-like? Because as we know, sometimes they say that we may be the only Christ that some people see. The next one is joy. Do I have joy in this moment? Am I a joyful person? And what's, what is joy really? Joy is not the same thing as happiness. Happiness is a feeling, right? Happiness is, is something like you can eat some chocolate and be happy, right? Happiness is literally just an emotion that we have. But joy is something that's represented by a journey. Joy is something that really uh, is, is more fulfilling, you know, happiness is like candy. Joy is like meat and potatoes. Joy is something that comes from a, a fulfillment. It comes from a, a testimony. It comes from something that overwhelms you in a positive way, right? Something that allows you to be optimistic, even when the circumstances might not be that way, right? Something that exudes on the inside of you that other people see it and it radiates from you. Man, she, she's so joyful. He's so joyful. Okay. Do I have joy? And if I don't have joy, 
Who or what is the thief of my joy? Why am I missing joy? If the if the scripture here says that uh, a fruit of the spirit is joy. If another scripture says rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. See, here's the thing about it. Joy can be a choice, which is why there's a verb called rejoice. Right. And, he, and we're actually commanded. It says rejoice in the rejoice where rejoice where rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Why do we have to rejoice in the Lord? Because if we try to rejoice in the world, you're not going to find the joy. <laughs> you might be able to find it in your family. If you just had a newborn baby, you know, you might be able to find it. If, if, if your relative, if your son or your daughter graduate college, you will be able to have moments of joy. But generally speaking, right. If our focus is on the things of this world, it's going to be hard for us to actually rejoice. It's going to be hard because there's too much uh, fallen, fallen nature, fallen things happening in the world, right? There's too many fallen things in the world. So if you look at what it means to rejoice, it's a verb and it means to feel joyful or to be delighted. Isn't it amazing that God commands us to feel? <laughs> the second definition says to feel joyful about something, to feel with joy, gladden. So God tells us rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice, right? He's telling us that the place where I really find the joy is going to be in the Lord, right? It's going to be in his presence it's going to be in his word. It's going to be in praise and worship. It's going to be thinking about where he brought me from. It's going to be thinking about the promises that he's given me and where he's taking me. It's going to be all of these different things that have to do with how wonderful our Savior is. So he says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. So if we have the moments where it feels like we don't have joy, what it means is that I'm focused too much on what's going on around me instead of he that's in me. Greater is he that is within me than he that is within the world. So it's like a whole thing that we got to wrap our mind around. Just the fact that we can re rejoice. Right. The thing about the thing about uh, the, the prefix re is the prefix re means again. Right. It means to do something again. And when I think about that, I'm thinking about just the whole idea. I'm looking up the etymology right now. That's why I'm talking slow. <laughs> but I'm looking at it. It says again, right? So the breakdown of this word, it, it derives from old French, re, and then joie. Okay, joie means to experience joy and re means again. And so when you put it together, it means to cause to joy. But what I'm really thinking about is just the fact that it's almost like rejoicing means that we remember 
something that has brought us joy before. It means that we can think about something that God has done for us and we can take that same thing and it can bring us joy. Even in a moment where, you know, something else might be going on. The scripture says, whatsoever things are good, honorable, of good report, of virtue, right? Think on these things. So there's a certain type of place where our mind is supposed to be thinking, right? There's always going to be an option to think about something negative. I can pick up this phone right now and it, I can in five seconds, I could find something to be upset about. I could click on social media right now. In 20 seconds, I could see somebody. In 10 seconds, I could see somebody get on my nerves. It make me wonder why I even have this. Why do I even have Instagram or Facebook? <laughs> These people get on my nerves. But rejoicing means that I'm thinking again, right, about the goodness of God. I'm thinking about how wonderful he is. I'm thinking about the things that he's done, right? Rejoice. I'm just looking at the definition again. This time I'm looking at Google. Um, but it's just such a wonderful concept. And so then I'm looking at, and I'm just sitting here talking about how to be a better human tonight because <laughs> that's my goal. You know what I mean? I'm trying to figure out how can I be a better human? You know, what's going to happen at, at my funeral, right? Who's going to be there? What are they going to say about me? Because um, I can be a little sometimey. I'm kind of like a little sometimey human. I'm kind of like a bougie cousin type person. <laughs> so I need to work on that. I need to be more of a people people person. I like people when I when I do people, but I don't go out of my way to do people, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, I'm thinking about this. So we got love. We got joy. And what's the next fruit of the spirit that's on this list? It says peace. Do I have peace? And do I bring peace? Wow. I don't know why I just, I ain't one of them people that be like, oh, I just heard something in the spirit say something. But for some reason, that just made me think about relationships. <laughs> do I have peace? And do I bring peace? Man. When people talk about you, do they say, man, she's so peaceful. He's so peaceful. Right? Am I living in peace to where I'm going about my life and I'm not worried? I'm not anxious. I'm not I'm not uh, razzled. Right. I'm not in this place where I'm just so jittery and stuff like that. Why? Because I have peace. Where does the peace come from? The peace comes from the Lord. There's a scripture that says that we can have a peace that passes all understanding. So that means peace doesn't have anything to do with what's actually happening. Right. Uh, because we can understand everything that's going on around us. We can understand it. We can comprehend it. Oh, man, it looked like Biden getting into it with China and he getting into it with North Korea. Oh, man, they got a war over there in Ukraine. Oh, man, it's, they talking about the monkeypox. There's a whole lot of things I can understand. But do I have peace in the midst of all of it? The peace comes from the sovereignty of knowing that God is in control and combined with the fact that we are a friend of God. Because if I know that God is in control and I'm a friend of God, what that means is that 
God is looking out for my best interests. Now, on the other hand, if I know that God is in control, but I'm an enemy of God, I probably won't have any peace. This is why I don't know if it's in the Bible, or if it's just some people say somebody said there's no rest for the wicked. Right. Because you really can't uh, have absolute peace if you know that you're not living right. If you know that you're not right with God, if you know that your soul is in danger of eternal hell, how can we really have true peace in a situation like that? And so we're talking about this idea of having peace and then this idea of bringing peace. In order for us to bring peace, that means we got to have peace. So I get peace first from my Lord and Savior. I get peace from his sovereignty. I get peace from the fact that he knows the end from the beginning. I get peace from the fact that the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I get peace from the fact of knowing that he knows every hair that's been that's on my head. He knows all of the all the numbers in the sand. I get peace from knowing that I don't have to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to worry about itself. He takes care of the sparrows. He clothes the lilies. So why do I have to worry? So I have peace. And then when I have peace, that means I can bring peace. Peace is a fascinating thing. The, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? For they shall be called children of God. Somebody should be able to look at your life. And how you respond to situations and how you counsel and how you help them. And they should be able to say, that's a child of God. She, her, that's a woman of God. Him, that's a man of God. Why? Because I'm a peacemaker. I don't come here to start trouble. I don't come here to, to, to get on everybody's nerves. I'm a peacemaker. Now, let me say this, though, before we get carried away. <laughs> I heard somebody say this recently. I wish I could tell you who, but it wasn't me. Y'all know I only like to get credit for my <laughs> my direct revelations. I love to love to show honor where it's due. But I heard somebody say this. They said. Um, being a peacemaker. Is not always just about laying down and being a carpet that everybody walks on. They said, sometimes a peacemaker has to actually make peace. What do I mean by that? If there's an injustice that's going on at your job and you know that nobody else has the courage to speak up for it and you know that you have to challenge that situation because the righteous are bold as a lion, even though you might be responding to conflict or even bringing conflict, you're still a peacemaker because your goal is to make peace. It's David and Goliath all over again. You got a, a giant standing tall above everybody else for 40 days. He's, he's calling out Israel, right? Come outside, pull up. Nobody from Israel wants to fight Goliath because he wants to fight for the death. He's saying, look, look, if my people, the Philistines win, we're going to be in control of your people. If you're if y'all win and y'all in control of us. 
And so you got this giant Goliath who is just doing this crazy. Wow. In D.C., we call it faking. This man is just faking. Well, I don't know what the young folks say. That's what we used to call it, faking. This man just doing a lot of faking. And then you got this one little Rudy shepherd boy named David who has to come and be a peacemaker. But his peacemaking is not through negotiation. It's not through, you know, talking it out. It's not through trying to come to a mutual understanding. His peacemaking actually was a matter of conflict. It was a matter of death, to be quite honest with you. But it took it took the death of Goliath to bring peace to Israel. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. He's a peacemaker. But what Jesus Christ did to make peace was that Jesus Christ had to come and die to satisfy and be a propitiation for God. So Jesus Christ now, even though, you know, God is God, the only thing that allowed us to have peace with God is the fact that Jesus came and died. There's a scripture that talks about how we now have peace with God. We were once enemies of God. But now... We have peace with God. It's Romans chapter five, verse one. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, do we have peace with God? And I'm going down this checklist. God bless everybody joining in. Tonight is an open discussion. So I'm just kind of talking about a funeral I attended today and a legacy that this lady left and how it just kind of is making me think about being a better human, being a better follower of Christ. And we're going down the fruits of the spirit, right? There's nine of them that are listed in Galatians chapter five. And um, man, I'm, I'm teaching, but I'm doing some self-examination too, because where is my love right now? Where is my joy? Where is my peace? You know what I mean? And then look at the fourth one, long suffering, long suffering. What does that even mean? What does it mean to be long-suffering? Break down that word. I'm about to look it up right now. I know what it means, but I want to I want to say exactly exactly what it means to be long-suffering. Bearing injuries or provocation for a long time, patient, not easily provoked, Lord have mercy, long patience of offense, man, that's what it means to be long suffering. <laughs> I hope I'm not the only person getting convicted. <laughs> Glory to the Lamb of God. That's what it means to be long suffering, being patient. Right. Not quick. To be angry, the Bible says that God is slow to anger. Why? He's not willing that any should perish. God is slow to anger. Just imagine all of the stuff that God could choose to be angry about. 
but God chooses to just let it go. Why? Because he knows that what's most important to me is where my son and my daughter is going to rest eternally. That's the thing I care about the most. So I'm going to be long suffering. You know, one of the things they said at Sister Hunter's funeral, a couple people got up and spoke. One person, I think she was like her um, granddaughter or something. She talked about how Sister Hunter was just, and by the way, this is my Sunday school teacher. I don't even know if I really told y'all who she was. When I first got saved, I went back to my home church. I was about 28 years old. And, you know, I went there. And one day, this dude named Abel told me that I should start coming to Sunday school because I was coming to Sunday church. But I wasn't really going to Sunday. No, no, my bad. He told me to start coming to Bible study. Sorry about that. Well, anyway, eventually I started going to Sunday school. And so I just went to Sister Hunter's class. I don't know why I went to her class. I'm not sure if it's just because I like walked in and <laughs> whatever it was. But she was like the old person's class. So when I used to go there, it was like me and all the old folks. And I used to love that class because... We would just be in there just having fun. <laughs> we would be in there having fun, just going over the lesson. And, you know, older people, especially old church people, they just like to joke around and goof off all the time. So we'd be in there just laughing and they'd be making jokes about each other and stuff like that. Um, but one of the things somebody said about her was that she never judged them. She never judged them. How often can we just look at somebody in our lives, right, and just make a judgment about them and we just have no type of patience for them at all? No type of idea of where they are with their walk with the Lord, you know what I'm saying? No type of grace for them to, to take the time to know God, for them to take the time to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. No type of grace to just, you know what I'm saying, like, like... Are we really long suffering? You know what I mean? I'm not saying that we that everybody isn't. You might be. I'm just talking to myself. Are we really long suffering? And then somebody else was talking about her and they said, you know, she would talk to them. So, you know, just they, she wasn't yelling. She would just say something to them just gently, which I guess we about to get to gentleness in a minute. But she would say something to them gently. And then the lady said, and then one day it clicked. And when she said that something clicked in me because she said one day it clicked. Have you ever been trying to help somebody with something or, or dealing with somebody in a certain type of way? And you're just like, man, it's just, it's like they can't comprehend it. It's like it's going in one ear and out the other. It's like this person just don't even know uh, what they're talking about. Um, but when this particular lady said this in her in her speech today, one day it clicked, what clicked in me is that sometimes it's not going to click for people right away. You can literally explain something from A to Z. You can literally make the most sense ever. 
you could literally be speaking to them in the plainest English that you can that you can find. Like they say, talk to me like I'm a fifth grader. <laughs> no, a first grader, a five year old. That's what it is. It's are you smarter than a fifth grader? But the phrase is, you know, talk, talk, tell me like I'm five years old. You can literally make it that plain. And sometimes it just won't click for people. And I don't know what it is that makes something click or not. I, I couldn't tell you, but I think that's why we call it a click. Because it's just like, 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 um, it's, it's, you know, with click, when I think about click, right, it's like all the ideas are in your mind. They're all circulating and, and they're trying to come together, right? But it's like, at some point, it's like a Lego. It's just... It's like at some point everything's just circulating around, and then all of a sudden it's like it finally just clicks. The right, the right situation, the right moment, the right words. And what that taught me is that Miss uh, Sister Hunter had to be so long suffering with this woman, and I don't know what they were going through. It could have been something minor. It could have been something major. Think they were talking about like how to become a trustee or how to be a good trustee or something. I don't know what it was. Probably some life stuff too. But she said one day it clicked. And so I'm like, man, we got to be long suffering enough to allow people time to click. God chose to save us when he chose to save us. There are people that have been born again, or excuse me, that have been baptized, right? I got baptized when I was 11 years old, 11 or 12 years old. But it didn't click till I was like 28. And then even after I got born again, there's still concepts in the word of God that as I'm on my walk with the Lord and he sanctified me over time, it's still concepts that I had to go and, oh, it, okay, yeah, it clicked. Oh, it clicked. And, you know, the, the people that God put in my life at that moment, a lot of them had were long-suffering enough to recognize, hey, I have to give him time for it to click. You know, uh, Brother Bolden, who I listen to a lot. And by the way, I put the link in, in the... I put the link in here if anybody want to hop on. I don't know if this is really a hop on topic because I'm really just kind of teaching the fruits of the spirit and just kind of thinking out loud at this point. But if you want to come on, feel free. But um, Brother Bolden said something interesting to me. He said, uh, not, not to me, <laughs> brother, I don't think Brother Bolden knows me, but he said something um, interesting in the sermon. Which if I'm being transparent, literally just slipped my mind. So I was talking about clicking, right? And I was talking about, um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so he said, um, he said, one of the things he does is when somebody comes to him with something about the faith that they've just learned, and he and they're excited about it. He said when they tell him about it, he just acts just as excited as them, even though it's something he already knows, even though it's something that like 
<laughs> is something that's not new to him at all. He's just like, oh, wow, is that right? And it's not so much that he's being fake, but what he's doing is he's just allowing that person to have their joy. He's a, he's allowing that person, um, you know, to grow. And, he, and, and it's him being long suffering, even in their growth. Right. That I, I'm going to sit and I'm going to listen to this person. Tell me about something that I learned 10 years ago. They're talking to me about it like it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. But you know what? They need to have this moment. And so I'm going to be long suffering in that regard. And I'm long suffering enough to just work with them throughout their growth. These are the type of things that we got to, you know what I'm saying? We got to do. We got to do these type of things. Um, glory to God. What I'm going to do real quick, I'm going to hop in the chat. We're having a, uh, a discussion just about legacy, just a, a, a personal. Personally, I'm just thinking about how I can be a better individual, right? What type of legacy are we leaving? What type of impact are we having on people's lives? How do we get that? So we're kind of going through the fruits of the spirit. Because I believe that the best way to live is to live in accordance to the spirit of God. And, the, and I'm just going through all the fruits of the spirit. So God bless everybody joining in. It is an open discussion. So if somebody wants to get me in trouble, I already got in trouble. I had to take down one video I mentioned earlier. So if y'all want to get me in some more trouble, I'm all for it. You know what I mean? But glory to God in the highest. Here's a comment by Brother Randy. He says, before Israel, there was no nation that acknowledged the, tr the true God. Abraham left everything and was essentially nationless because he could no longer practice the customs of the nations around. He said, Abraham was a lonely person. God's promise was assured to him, was assured him after, my bad, was it, God's promise was assured him that after him, there would be a place for true worshipers. Wow. And so what you what you said in that, Randy, I think you answered my question earlier. Oh, uh, real quick. No, this is not Maisha Hunter from Omega Ministries. I never met her, but I, I've heard great things about the late Maisha Hunter. She co-authored a book called The Organic Gospel with Pastor Gary Price. I never met Sister Maisha Hunter, I'm talking about a lady from my church who just recently passed away. She was a trustee and um, also taught, was in the teaching ministry. But I think Brother Randy just answered my question about why, why does a legacy even matter? And I think what it is, is I probably have been looking at legacy through a selfish lens. But I didn't think about the fact that the legacy that we leave is not just a legacy for us, but it's a legacy for the Lord. If we live a godly life and people have good things to say about us, what that means is that our legacy is now being a testimony for Christ, right? Because if I bear the name of Christ and I'm an ambassador for Christ, Everything about my legacy is going to be in the context of Jesus Christ. So if they say, oh, this, this person always showed me love, it's going to be attributed to Jesus Christ. Oh, this person was just so, um, so wise. They had so much wisdom. It's going to be attributed to Jesus Christ. So now I'm thinking about it because I'm like, man, 
I was thinking about why do I even need a legacy if I'm not going to be here? But who is or what is going to be here are God's people. And when I say God's people, I mean God's creation. I mean every human on the face of the earth who needs to be saved. And so if I leave uh, a legacy that exalts the name of Jesus Christ, if I leave a legacy even of a lineage where my kids now uh, have, have been instilled with the principles of the faith and they can go and spread the gospel, when you think about it, a legacy is like ministry. It's like ministry. It's like your life. Your life, the Bible already tells us, our life is a living epistle. And when you die, your life is just a dead epistle, <laughs> meaning that it still speaks for you even when you're gone. Right. It still speaks for you even when you're gone. So I didn't really think about it that way. Think about how a legacy can be just as much for God, if not more than it is for us. That's a that's a great that's a great point. And I'm not even sure if you like fully, fully meant it that way. But that's just kind of what came to mind when you said that. Moni E says, I remember one of my teachers from high school would drop seeds of faith. The thing she said didn't click until after I finished high school. God really used her. Wow. I'm trying to tell y'all, God, God got different people in all areas of the world. A lot of times we get on the folks that are in Hollywood and entertainment and sports and stuff like that. But God's got people that he's tucked away in there. God's got people that are in these avenues that are going to be saved and they don't even know they're going to be saved yet. So we never know where the word is going to go forth. You know what I mean? We just don't know. Um, we see testimonies here and there about people who just are giving their lives to Christ. And when I say people, I mean these so-called celebrities. Um Sorry, these so-called celebrities um, giving their lives over to Jesus Christ. And so I'm just thinking about this is something I meant to look up. I haven't even looked it up yet. But as I was saying that, I thought about a an article that I saw a headline for. And I meant to look it up. But this person came to mind, and I haven't read this article quite yet, so I'm, so let's take this with a grain of salt. But I'm going to share this article about this entertainer named MIA. And this article says, MIA reveals she is a born-again Christian. Quote, I saw the vision of Jesus Christ. Now, I feel like I've heard this lady's name before. I don't really know how big she is or isn't, but it says this. It says, musician MIA recently revealed the moment that convinced her to become a Christian in 2017. Okay, so apparently I just saw this headline this year in 2022. She's saying she saw this vision in 2017. That's interesting. In an interview with Zane Lowe, she said, quote, being a Tamil and being a Hindu, I was very comfortable that I'd arrived finding myself 
which is, I think, going to be weird for America to process. But I had a vision and I saw the vision of Jesus Christ. It's a very crazy thing because it turned my world upside down. She continued, uh, says, um, right. So she said it turned my world upside down. She continued, because everything I thought and believed was no longer the case. And I think that maybe, and I think that was maybe a sign that something major was going to happen in the world and that people were needing to be introduced to this concept. She confirmed that she was a born again Christian. When I had this vision, it turned my world upside down. And I explained, I kind of couldn't let go of the Tamil side. I guess I'm assuming that's like a Indian religion or something like that. I think that's why 50% of the record is sort of like that because I'm still me. That's still my language. And those are still my tools to be able to create beats like that or a sound like that. But I think the message was just to get to a peaceful place. Watch the space. The history is, even if it costs me my career, I won't lie. I will tell the truth and I will tell you what's on my mind and my heart. So I don't know where she is with her walk or anything like that. But the point I'm trying to make is that I believe God is going to be saving people. And I believe he's going to be saving people in different avenues, different industries, different businesses, different arenas. And these people are going to be spreading the gospel. And just like we just read with her talking about being long suffering, she's had that vision in 2017. I'm not sure if she's been speaking about it or not, but this article didn't come out until 2022. So we just got to be long suffering. Um, so yeah, yeah, teachers be long suffering. This I know, yeah. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, yeah, leaving a legacy for the Lord. I didn't even think about it, like sometimes we can be so focused on self. Sister Tatiana says, everything you do should glorify God. So in my actions, I ask myself, does this glorify God? That's a great way to live life. I was telling Brother Nate the other day, I said they need to bring back those bracelets. What would Jesus do? I don't know if y'all remember those. Some of y'all might be too young, but they used to have bracelets that people would wear and it said WWJD and it stood for what would Jesus do? And the idea behind it is that if you got this bracelet on and you're confronted with a situation or a circumstance, somebody uh, gets on your nerves, somebody talked to you the wrong way, somebody disrespects you, what would Jesus do? You know, it's just a reminder just to let you know or to, or to remind you rather like, man, I could respond in the flesh, but I'm going to choose to respond in the spirit. So if you wear the what would Jesus do bracelet, don't be out there getting in the fights, knocking people out. <laughs> Unless they attack you first, but don't be instigating no stuff. Then you got the bracelet on. Then 15 minutes later, you look down like, oh, dang, <laughs> I shouldn't even knock them out. No, don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't have on the, the Jesus T-shirt. It's my Jesus on the mainline T-shirt. Actually, what did this say? Yeah, that's what it say. Jesus on the main line. Don't have on your Jesus T-shirt and then 
when they mess your order up at Popeye's, you start yelling at them. Or when the ice cream machine don't work at McDonald's, you start cussing them out and you got the Jesus T-shirt on. Don't do that. <laughs> Glory to the Lamb of God. Oh, thank you. Ashkenazis educate me. Tamils are what the people from Sri Lanka, formerly Ceylon, I probably said all is wrong, are called. Okay, so it's a people group. Thank you for that. D says, love those WWJD bracelets. Yeah. Yeah, I remember those. I don't even think I was saved when they came out, but I remember seeing a couple people wear them. Yeah, wear the word. Wear the word. Amen. Wear the word and live the word. Man, so, yeah, I'm just trying to, I'm doing some self-examination. That's all. So let's keep going. We're looking at the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. The next one says gentleness. Man, this is like getting worse and worse for me. <laughs> Are we gentle with people? Man. So I think I I think I show gentleness, but it's like a gentleness in comparison to what I really would like to say or do. So I don't know if it's actual gentleness or if it's just like not as bad as it could be. Uh, but gentleness is a fruit of the spirit, right? What, what all these things mean is abiding in the spirit. This is how we respond because the fruit is something that's produced. So it's like, okay, you put something in a situation, what's going to be produced out of it? Okay. Uh, situation arises how are you going to respond? We're talking about actions, right? And so gentleness is one. Our Savior was gentle. Our God is gentle. He's, he's a gentleman, right? And he's kind to us. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not in one of the, it's not in this passage we're reading right now, but there's certain words about God that are just beautiful words, like, like tender grace and mercy, loving kindness, right? <laughs> loving kindness. God, don't nobody even say that today. God is so good that you got to take two good words and combine them together <laughs> into one word. Loving kindness, right? Is that an actual word? Loving kindness, tenderness, and consideration toward others. Man, consideration. We got to be gentle. We got to be gentle. Um, it's so self-explanatory. I ain't even got to say too much more about it. The next one is goodness. It's goodness. And I kind of want to see what goodness actually means in this particular context. I know if I come on here and I ain't got a topic, I'm just going to teach. So <laughs> y'all should know that by now. <clears throat> Best thing for y'all to do is just just come up with topics on your own, <laughs> and then when I have these open discussions, just do it that way. Uh, so I'm looking at the interlinear to actually look at the the Greek of these words, and right now I'm looking at the Greek for goodness, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce this because there's way too many syllables. Okay, I want the definition. 
And glory to God. I think I got to click on the number. Okay. So to do good. I thought it was going to be something. I thought it was going to be something deep. <laughs> Goodness. It simply means to do good usage intrinsic goodness, especially as a personal quality with stress on the kindly rather than the righteous side of goodness. Wow. So we're talking about goodness, but not solely or primarily the idea of being righteous. You know, like we're not talking about um, just just being like an upstanding citizen. Right. But it's talking about kind, being kind. Right. As a part of your goodness, I think that ties into the love. I think that ties into the gentleness. I think that ties into the long suffering. Right. Intrinsic goodness. Now, the, 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 the interesting thing is. The rich young ruler came up to Jesus and said, good master. And then Jesus said to him, why are you calling me good? There's no one that's good except, you know, the father. Which tells us what? Any type of goodness we have has to come through Jesus Christ. It has to be the spirit of the Lord. It has to be the Holy Spirit because we're talking about the fruits of the spirit. It has to be the Holy Spirit that allows us to be good to be intrinsically good. Intrinsic means it's just something on the inside of you, right? That's something on the inside of us needs to be the Holy Ghost. The next one says what? Faith. Faith. Do we have faith? That's a fruit of the Spirit. I think we all know what faith is, but the Bible says now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay. Do we believe God in situations? Do we believe God that he's going to do what he said he's going to do? Do we respond in faith? These are things that we got to that we got to know. Do we have faith? Do others see our faith? Do we live a lifestyle of faith? When we come out of something, do we share our testimonies to know that it was faith that got us through? Because how else is somebody going to know that? that you walk in faith. If you don't share your testimony, you could go to the, somebody, you could tell somebody, Oh, I just got out of the hospital. Okay. If you don't tell them every, you only tell them every detail, but if you don't tell them that it was an act of God, they're just going to assume <laughs> that, okay, you just got out of the hospital. I guess the doctors did their job. But then when you tell them, Oh, you know what? They told me I only had a 30% chance of living Oh, you know, they told me that I would never have kids and now we got five kids. Those are the type of things that glorify God. Those are the type of things that allow others to see that we live in faith, talking about legacy. So then after faith, it says meekness. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Meekness. Let's look that up. I think I got to go to the next interlinear to get this word man now, now let me back up for a second because i'm still looking at the interlinear here i'll just show it to y'all on the screen so basically um i was talking about faith 
But when we actually look this word up, it actually translates to faithfulness. It translates to faithfulness. And so here's the word here, uh, right here, highlighted toward the bottom. Hopefully I'm not in the way. There it goes. Toward the left. It says faithfulness, right? And so let's look this up real quick. Faithfulness, faith or faithfulness, faith, belief, trust, confidence, fidelity, faithfulness. All of these things are fruits of the spirit. And so moving on now to meekness, all right, meekness. Um, I'm looking for it. I, I don't see it. So meekness starts off 23. This is interesting because the word meekness here, they're translating it as gentleness which is actually making me go back and see, well, what did they call gentleness? So back in verse 22, gentleness was like the fourth one. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Okay, so they translated, okay, this one here in the, in the Greek, they're giving this word kindness. Okay, so then now, let me glance at this real quick. Sorry, I'm doing this real time. So that word that was translated in the King James is gentleness. The definition is goodness, excellence, uprightness, goodness, uprightness, kindness, gentleness. Fair enough. So now let's look up the word that's being translated as... Meekness. Now, this is Christotes. I know that's wrong. Now, this one is a whole different word. Let's look this up. Proutase. Proutase. Okay, gentleness, mildness, gentleness. King James calls it meekness. There's a scripture that says Moses was one of the most meek men to ever walk the face of the earth. And so in Numbers chapter three, it says, now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. So Moses was the most meek man on earth at the time he lived. My question is, what was it about Moses that made him so meek? See, a lot of times people believe that meek equals weak, but you can be strong and also be meek at the same time. The thing that makes us not want to be meek is the fact that we don't want to look weak to other people, right? It's like you don't want to be the person that they walk over, but you can be meek and <laughs> you can be meek and still not have people walk over you. Let me see what Google actually defines meek as. Let's see. 
quiet, gentle, and easily imposed on, submissive. Wow. So maybe it is a little bit of walking going on there. <laughs> and just keep it real. Quiet. I can see Moses being quiet. He had a speech impediment. Gentle and easily imposed on. Wow. Let me see if there's other definitions. Man. Soft, gentle, courteous, indulgent, man. I got to meditate on that. <laughs> I got to think about that one a little bit. What does it mean to be meek? And are we walking in that? Is there time for meek? Or are we always supposed to be meek? Because that's, once again, fruits of things that are produced, and they're produced out of situations. So there are going to be situations. See, that's what we got to understand. Thankful that the Lord just, just explained this to me. This is what we got to understand. A fruit is produced in a situation, meaning that if something happens to me, this is liable to come out. Now, and this is how we can reconcile these two different scriptures. There's a scripture that's, that just we just read talks about the fruits of the spirit is meekness. And then there's another scripture that says the righteous are bold as a lion. So you're thinking, how can somebody be bold and then be meek at the same time? Wasn't Moses both bold and meek? We just read he's the meekest man on earth when he lived, but we also read that he stood up to Pharaoh. He had to go and confront Pharaoh. He had to lift up the staff. He There was so many things. He had to lead Israel, right, when God parted the Red Sea. There's so many things that, that Moses had to do that were bold. And so I, this is actually kind of a blessing to me, Um that the Lord is explaining it to me right now. And so what is really telling us is just like, if, uh, just like um, Ecclesiastes says, there's a time and a season for everything. So there's going to be a time for boldness. There's going to be a time for meekness, right? And this is why it's like as believers, we get confused because we read something like this in a word of God. And then we say, man, I got to I got to let somebody walk over me and be submissive to everybody 24 seven, because if not, I must not be operating in the Holy Spirit because the fruit of the spirit is meekness. But we're not looking at it as a fruit. Right. Something that's produced in a certain situation. It's an attribute. It's, it's, it's not something that you do at all times. You do it as the spirit wills. Right. It, it should be it should be our disposition. But it's not always the requirement because there is a time and a season for everything. And so then after meekness. Right. The last one says temperance, which is self-control. And so that one really 
is vital because it talks about our walk with the Lord. It talks about our obedience. It talks about just the fact of who or what has mastery over us, right? Scripture says, whoever you obey becomes your master, right? So am I obeying the spirit or am I obeying the flesh? Now, the Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to actually overtake the flesh. But in order for us to do that, we have to be abiding in the spirit. And so after reading this and really just, just thinking out loud about being a better person, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be more intentional about abiding in the spirit and, and, and bearing these fruits. Like I said, I'm trying to be a, a better lover of people. I'm trying to be less sometimey. I'm trying to be more sociable. And it's kind of hard for me because I realized that it's like I knew this, but I didn't really, I didn't really, it's only as of late that I'm seeing it really play out. But I realized that the way I view certain things is probably different from at least about 90% of people. <laughs> and I'm not saying I want everybody to agree with me or that I'm always right or anything like that. But I'm just saying like just just simple stuff like like really the stuff that has been exposed, the pandemic and stuff like that. I realize through this pandemic that the way I see stuff is just completely left field from most people. And I'm OK with that. You know, but what it's taught me is that, I, well, what is what is how it's made me feel is that I'm at a place now where I'm just going to let people live their lives. I'm not even going to worry about trying to correct people or anything unless God specifically tells me to. And I've been this way for a little while now, but I just thinking about it and I had a, a situation, not a situation, but. My friend from the world, childhood friend from the world, sent me a screenshot of the symptoms of monkeypox. And one of the symptoms said respiratory. And he showed it to me and it was, the respiratory part was highlighted. And then he said, wear your mask. And so <laughs> I'm not really a fan of masks for various reasons. Um mainly because I think it's more of a control mechanism than a safety mechanism. But all that being said, I kind of told him, you know, I was like, you don't have anything to worry about. <laughs> you know, there's a whole lot of stuff I could have said, but I, I was just like, you don't have anything to worry about. And then he said something along the line, cause he knows I'm a believer. So he's like, you know, uh, God give you wisdom to make decisions. Don't be stupid. Da, 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 da. And so I thought about it and I was like, man, I could go back and forth with him, but his intent. And when I say back and forth, I mean, actually breaking out the facts of what masks do, how effective they are or aren't and stuff like that. And in, in, in this particular situation, how rat rampant monkeypox is or isn't, 
I mean, we looked at this last year, last year, Lord have mercy. <laughs> it must be time for me to get off. We looked at this last week and I think worldwide, there were only like 12,000 cases worldwide, which is as far as I'm concerned, non-existent, even though it's in 70 countries. Um, it might've increased since then. But my thing is, my thing is, like 12,000 worldwide, man. Um, okay. So in the U.S., they're now saying that we have 50, uh, that we basically have, let me just say the exact number, 5,189 cases, right, in the U.S. And so that's still not a lot. I mean, now, granted, it low-key doubled since last week. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when we look at kind of what causes this stuff and how you get it and all these different type of things, I guess my thing is there's no no need for alarm. I say all of that to say, I told him, I know you're just doing this because you have my best interests at heart, so I'm not going to get into it. And I appreciate you telling me that, you know, and that's just how I'm kind of carrying it now. I'm going to give people the space to be who they are. I'm giving people the space to make mistakes. I'm giving people the space to disagree. And I've been doing this for a little while now, but I'm doing it even more. Like at this point, <laughs> I almost feel like that verse in Re uh, Revelation where it says, if they be filthy, let them be filthy still. If they be righteous, let them be righteous still. I don't know if we're supposed to be there right now. I'm not trying to be disobedient, but that's what it says in Revelation chapter 22 and 11, the old, the uh, last verse, excuse me, the last chapter in the Bible, he that is unjust, let him be unjust still, and he which is filthy, let him be filthy still, and he that is righteous, let him be righteous still, and he that is holy, let him be holy still. So I'm just going to let, I'm going to let. <laughs> I'm going to let people do them, even if it impacts me, because folks going crazy about monkeypox mean that if, if they keep talking this up, we're going to find ourselves right in another lockdown like it was two years ago. And who really wants to go through that again? You know, but I digress. So anyway, thank you all for listening to me work out how I need to be a better person. Honestly, I think I probably need to work on all nine of these fruits of the spirit, at least a little bit, <laughs> at least a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, man, but it's so good that God gives us grace. It's so good that we have an opportunity to um, have him to have his spirit living on the inside of us. So I'm going to take a few comments and then we're going to wrap it up. Glory to God. Uh, let's see. Ashkenazi Christian says, once, once I was meek, <laughs> I haven't even finished this comment and I'm already laughing. Once I was meek, then I moved to New York City where I lost all my meekness. I'm trying to get back to meekness. I feel you, sister. You can get into a New York state of mind. 
I'm in a DC state of mind. Listen, <laughs> I be in a DC state of mind. Like I be in public. I don't be trying to talk to folks. Now, if I know you, like I'm, I love to, you know, chop it up. You're going to make my train ride go smoother. But I got on the bus the other day, maybe like three weeks ago, ran into a buddy of mine, young guy, been in my house, you know, like a legitimate friend of mine. And I, I literally like walked to my seat and then I sat down and he was right, right that way. And I saw a person out the corner of my eye, but I didn't even recognize it was him because when I'm, when I'm like commuting, my thing is like, don't say nothing to me. I ain't going to say nothing to you <laughs> and we good. And then the person behind me, cause my friend, he kind of like a street dude. So he like look a little bit rugged. He said something to me, like A or something like that. And I ignored him because I, I'm like the women now. My name ain't A. <laughs> my name, like, don't don't talk to me in public. And so anyway, I finally looked back. And I was like, oh, that's my man. And so I say that to say sometimes where we live can actually impact the way we deal with people. But I believe that God is strong enough to break all of that. You know what I mean? So prayerfully, you do get your uh, meekness back. DC says it's difficult at times when you feel like you can see things that others can't just yet. Absolutely. And you know what I'm having to make peace with? I'm having to make peace with the fact that some folks might not ever see. They might not ever see. And I'm at peace with that. You know, I'm trying to be at least. Ashkenazi says the monkeypox was predicted in the 1995 film 12 Monkeys starring Brad Pitt and Bruce Willis. Back then, I had an Eastern star nag me forever about what I thought about the movie. Wow. That's kind of fascinating. I didn't know that, but it doesn't surprise me. I might have to go back and look at that movie. I I've heard of that movie, but I've never seen it before. Um, I feel like Chris Tucker might have been in that. I could be wrong. <laughs> 12 Monkeys. That sounds familiar. Now, interesting. I don't. So what happens in the movie? Like, does it become a thing or does it just go away? I'm hoping this stuff just goes away. D says, I quote that revelation scripture to myself often nowadays for my own peace. Wow. DC says, some plant, some water, God gives the increase. So keep planting and or watering, brother. God saves. Amen. I'm not going to get bent out of shape about it. I'm going to trust God and I'm going to do my role. Like the New England Patriots coach Bill Belichick, his motto was, everybody just do your, your job, do your assignment. And that's how they ended up getting five championships or however many they got, five or six championships. Praise the Lord. Listen, y'all, God is good. Uh, while I got a few of y'all on here, I'm going to reiterate. Uh, premiering a new single for my latest single, Me and Sister Torrance. And I just put the link in the chat there. New single is called The Wilderness Part 2. A few of y'all might remember Part 1, but if you can check out that premiere at 830, all you got to do is just click that link. Um, I'd greatly appreciate it. <laughs> um, and it might not be everybody's cup of tea 
you know, I know I'd be, <laughs> you know, I, I did a Christian rap thing. I know that's not every Christian's preferred music, but if you like Christian rap, you know, definitely subscribe to my channel. I greatly appreciate that. Uh, well, says a lot, because I don't even think I asked y'all to subscribe to this channel. <laughs> I don't know if I ever said that. I might have said it once or twice, but definitely hit up that uh, other joint. And just lastly, before we close out, Ashkenazi says, no, the pox destroys the world, making people live mostly underground, if I remember correctly. Wow. Hope that doesn't happen. Man. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, listen, family, I thank y'all for hanging out with me a little bit. Lord willing, we'll be back on next week trying to get more short videos, more encouragement videos, um, more dynamic stuff on the channel. So be on the lookout for that. I'm praying about a few things, but as, as they come to me, I will let you know. In the meantime, between time, you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend. Make sure you are intentional about your rest. Make sure that um, you know, you're putting the Lord first, you know, make sure that we're producing those fruits of the spirit. That's all I have in this solid talk family. You all take care and be blessed. Culture can't keep me in check. And from beginning, God to tell us what's next. True believers, they can come and connect. Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect. I keep it solid. I'm dropping knowledge, wisdom, understanding, just like you done went to college. Devil know we working, his goal is to try to stop it. Helmet of salvation and shield of faith that'll block it. Controversial topics, just to keep it honest. Truth hit hard, just like it's a blunt object. Culture living godless, I can't even call it. We in the last days, Babylon is falling. Don't kill the messenger, I can't mess with ya Points got a plethora, this life will keep on testing ya Just walk and get the best of ya I'm trying to tell you bruh, only a the shell We say we trying to get the rest Speaking of ya Speaking out loud in depth, cancel culture can't keep me in check And from beginning, gotta tell us what's next True believers, they can come and connect Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect Spiritual wickedness in high places Trying to cause division with the people and the races Jesus gave commission, say go out to all the nations So we streaming live on television and the stations No, we taking off like asteroids up in the spaces The cross was Eddie Murphy, then I grow we trading places The lost must understand that we cannot be void of graces So we preach it to a generation that is faithless Understand his greatness, ancient of the ages Written on my heart, the red letters of the pages the blood of jesus covers all my sin and it erases i pleaded and believe it so it covers all my bases speaking out loud in depth cancel culture can't keep me in check and from beginning gotta tell us what's next true believers they can come and connect call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect try and keep my sanity amongst calamity social media nothing more than narcissistic vanity pc culture on a mission and they try to cancel me but i know jesus gonna to keep me covered like a canopy blood give me amnesty no i can't handle me not where i want to be but best believe i plan to be flesh wrestle against the spirit main event and slambery so i need them every day to daily weekly annually iron sharp as iron so i'm strengthened by my brethren we may not meet down here but guaranteed the link in heaven the born again and righteous are the ones he's gonna let in let's keep the faith and be amongst the saints when they step in